1: Welcome, everyone, to yet another edition of the IB Countdown to Kickoff Show. I am Vince D'Addario. That is Jesse Stires, And if you notice, he is in the realm <laughs> of Sean Styers. So he's he's channeling the Sean Styers nature of the show. And uh, because Sean is in the Bahamas, I know, rough life that the man leads, for work, because that is where the women's basketball team is. And so they've got a game today, I think about 4.30. Does that sound right? jess have you looked yeah i think it's
2: i think somewhere around like 415 430, 4 there you go. in that range
1: yep so they're playing today so he's down there soaking up the rays having a good time but we are here to get you primed and ready for game day clearly it's game day i got the icy whites on undefeated in the icy whites and i'm still convinced as a fan that if i wear this they will win because i have control over the wins and the losses of this team
2: listen vince The Cowboys looked like crap against the Giants on Thanksgiving at halftime. I switched to my Cowboys gear, and what do you think happened? Completely different second half. Sports is all about superstition, and I'm all about it, you know? We got to do our part on our end to keep the universe balanced, you know? If we're just tilted a little bit off, I think things could be drastically different. So I'm very happy you pulled out the Icy Whites today.
1: what you got to do. I mean – I am nothing if not a a man of tradition, and uh, that that is my tradition. I've been wearing them since. <clears throat> well, I wore them for BYU because they were wearing all the all whites. I took a break, which clearly was a mistake. But then went back to them, and here we are. So we were undefeated. Clemson, <laughs> yes, duh. And duh. then obviously, last week was quite the showing by Notre Dame in their forty-four to zero thrashing of Boston College. Jesse Styers, what is your big takeaway from that game moving into this game?
2: You know, the the biggest takeaway for me and and what we need to continue to see this week is the defensive performance. That big goose egg on the board is the most notable thing anytime you play a team. I don't care if it's Boston College, if it's Clemson, you know, whoever it might be. It is hard to shut a team out at at the college level, you know, to not allow zero points. Um, And I I need to see that this week. I need to see the defense causing havoc. I need the defense to get turnovers because ultimately they need to do anything they can to slow down Caleb Williams this week um, and create extra possessions and take away possessions from USC.
1: No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, that game was it was great on a lot of levels. Obviously, they scored in the first eight possessions five touchdowns, three field goals, every possession of the first half and then the first possession of the second half in obviously weather that was not super conducive to scoring in the second half. So, but by the time they went up 44 to nothing, it was, you you could put it on cruise control to a degree. They drove all the way down the field in another possession, but then turned it over on downs on like the seven yard line. So they controlled the clock. They controlled the game. There was never any time in that game where it was in doubt that Notre Dame was going to pull out the victory. So, I mean, it was it was a good game. I mean, it was a great last home game. It was a great senior day, all of that. But it all leads up to this game, obviously. There's a lot riding on this game for both USC and Notre Dame. We will get into all of that. But we're going to break down the Boston College game just a little bit uh, before we jump into what we're expecting to happen against Southern Cal. We've got a lot of time here, Jess, and we're going to have some fun with this. But – I want to get your thoughts on the game. You know, we talked about it a little bit on Monday, but let, let's break this thing down just a little bit. Thoughts on your on the game plan from both coordinators, your likes, your dislikes. I mean, it, it's hard to find things you didn't like from a 44 to nothing. Obviously, defense didn't give up any points. Offense put up a bunch. But what what was your what were your thoughts on the game plan by the coordinators? I think that goes a long way to what's going to happen this week.
3: The holidays are upon us, and that means it's time to start thinking about Christmas presents for your loved ones. And there's no better place to look for the coffee lovers in your family than Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrow's, Every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash irish.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: Yeah, so I I really liked what Notre Dame did. You know, obviously, against an inferior opponent like Boston College, you can get into maybe trying some things offensively, you know, kind of getting a little experimental, uh, you know, running. And and that's kind of, I think, up Tommy Reese's alley. But I I like that they stuck to the run game. You know, they they still continue to hammer the ball, um, and they were still, you know, using the pass game off of their run game. Drew Pine only completed 13 passes, uh, out of his twenty-five attempts, one hundred and fifty-six yards, one touchdown. Uh, but then Logan Diggs had fifteen carries for one hundred and twenty-two, which is an eight-yard average. Uh, Audrick Estime had eleven carries for seventy-one yards; it's a six and a half average. And then Chris Tyree had six carries for fifty yards, which is an eight-point-three average. So seeing all of those backs over, you know, a six-yard average, and you have two other guys over an eight-yard, uh, eight-yard per carry. That's that's the most important thing because this three-headed monster. Notre Dame's three headed monster at running back is what's going to win the game for them against USC today. That that core of three guys, whether it's running the ball, whether it's getting into two back personnel, one back personnel, and catching screens out of the backfield, catching wheel routes out of the backfield, those three running backs have to have the most productive day out of the entire, you know, out, out of all the groups uh, on the Notre Dame team. So I really like that Tommy Reese stuck to the run game, getting those guys their carries, getting those guys, like I said, those yards per carry. Uh, we are very good, and just really letting Drew Pine be an accessory to them, right? He doesn't need to be the guy that's going to take over the game, he just needs to manage the game and make you know certain passes when he needs to. Um, and being efficient on third down, obviously, picking up you know the third and short situations that's that's Drew hines biggest task this week is when they get into yeah. third and short, he needs to be able to convert on third and short and keep these drives going. You don't necessarily need to score every drive, right? But you need to be able to extend drives, keep the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands. Uh, and keep your defense off the field and get them some rest because you know Caleb Williams is going to – they're going to put up points. That's inevitable, but you have to limit the amount of points that they get to. So offensively, that's what I really
1: enjoyed uh, about their game plan. All right, give me your thoughts on the defense, Al Golden's group, and what they were able to do <laughs> to Boston College.
2: Yeah, so th- this one's a little bit tougher because, you know, Boston College was obviously rolling rolling with the backup cor- quarterback with Emmitt Moorhead, uh, obviously Phil Jakir. Jac- Oh, my goodness. Jakovic. There you go. You got it. (laughs) Wasn't playing. Uh, But but most importantly, you know, Notre Dame, biggest weakness for Notre Dame on defense, to me, is their run game. They have a very good secondary. They have a very good defensive line. uh, and, And their second level, their linebackers, really, is what's been their weakness this year. Um, And I think if teams really want to damage Notre Dame, they can get into the run game, but Boston college really never got that going. You know, they had three, three different running backs going. Uh, One had seven carries for 25 yards. Another had eight carries for 24 yards and another had 12 for 23 yards. So all of those averages were under three and a half, which is great to see. And and that's what you need to see. They need to shut down the run game and make teams become one dimensional. Um, I don't think that necessarily translates into today's game. I think, the, the number one priority is shutting down the pass game, you know, making it a one-dimensional, trying to make USC run, getting USC in long down shortage, you know, situations, getting them behind the chains, getting them in second and long, third and long. I mean, again, it, it doesn't second and third and long, it, it doesn't mean as much as these other teams because of the talent of Caleb Williams and USC. They have that big play potential. But obviously, you want to get teams out of schedule and into second and third and long. So I like the way that uh that that really that they shut them down in both dimensions, right? They shut him down in the run game. Nothing was there. They shut him down in the pass game. Nothing was there. And obviously that's evident by dominance, dominant performance when a team puts up uh, zero points. I, I think the thing that I, I need to see more of today, and I'm not saying that this was a bad thing against Boston College, but it's just it's, it's an inferior opponent. Boston College has a very bad offensive line. Notre Dame needs to get pressure today. That That is the number one thing. They need to get pressure. They need to make Caleb Williams uncomfortable and give their secondary you know, a break. You can't you can't make your guys sit in coverage all day. You have to be able to help them um, on the front end. I think that's that's a, a true mark of a good defense. If you have a good, I think that's the most important aspect of a defense is having a solid defensive line because not only can you disrupt the run game, but then you also help your secondary on the back end by getting lots of pressure um, and creating havoc for the quarterback.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. So let, let's dive into the offense here just a little bit. You, you you rattled off the stats for for the three running backs and what they were able to do. I mean, 8.1 yards a carry, 6.5 yards a carry, 8.3 yards a carry. And the Irish scored on their first eight possessions, as I mentioned earlier. Do they need to do that? Do they need to replicate that performance in order to get a win today? Do they need to score on their first eight possessions if they get that many? Or is this more of a, I don't know, score on every other? But like, what are your thoughts on how often they need to come away with points on their possessions?
2: You know this. This is a tough question because Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't want to get into a shootout with USC. I don't believe that that is their ideal game plan or what's ultimately going to win them the game. They, they can't afford to get into a shootout with USC. And what I mean by a shootout is I think. If USC scores 40 points in this game, I think USC wins. You can't let them get into the 40 range. I, I can potentially see 30s, but you have to do your best to keep them in the 20 range if you want, you know, a realistic shot to win. And like I was talking about earlier, you don't need to score on every drive. You need to have controlled tempo. You need to pick up first downs. You need to keep the chains moving, keep your defense off the field. You're probably going to see between, you know, 10 and 12 possessions throughout the game. Um, and, and really, I think you need to. Notre Dame needs to score 30 points, in my opinion, to win, but they need to do it in a controlled tempo while also limiting USC out of that 40 range because if you get into a track meet uh, with USC, you're going to lose this game. So I think we're going to see a little bit similar of a game plan to Ohio State, but that was game one, and now we're on game 12. So the offense is in a much different place. I think that game plan is refined. It's a lot better, and I'm not saying follow that same game plan. I think you need to do things better or a little bit different than what you did against Ohio State, but that same kind of mindset mindset. You know, controlling time of session, powering them. You know, asserting your physical dominance. So those things wear out over the game.
1: Jess, we've talked a lot, your dad specifically, about twenty-one personnel, thirty-one personnel that we've seen as well. But the the three-headed monster in the backfield and Diggs, Estime, and uh, Chris Tyree, right? Right. We are. You mentioned it, right? Game one, we are now on game 12. This is the last guaranteed game that anyone has in the regular season. It's game 12. Obviously, Notre Dame is going to go to a bowl game someplace. The maturation process of the game plan, utilizing these three running backs, going into game 12, what we saw in game 11 and everything beforehand, the, the process from where we were to where we are, are you happy about the way that they use the three running backs are you? Are there things that they can do better? What do, What are your thoughts on really what the strength of this team is—the run game—and then how they're using the what could arguably call the deepest running back room in the
0: nation?
2: Yeah, so I, I think that they've they've hit like they're at a scale of one to ten. I think they've hit at like a, an eight of their potential with this with this three backs right now. You look at Audrick Estime's numbers; he's got 136 carries, 782 yards. Logan Diggs. 140 carries and 6 698 yards. Both are averaging over five a carry. Those are those are really good numbers, right? And, and if you can have almost two backs at 1,000 yards at the end of the season, I mean, what more could you ask for? And then you throw in Chris Tyree, which is your kind of more scat back. I think the biggest difference between Ohio State week one and now is you have Logan Diggs healthy. And I think Logan Diggs is the complete back. Out of the three of them i think he's a guy who can he, he can get downhill if he needs to he's he's quicker than estimate he's not quite as powerful as estimate but he's more elusive meaning in the hole i've said this before in the hole he can make a guy miss and get up to top speed like instantly again right like he can get back up to his his to his top speed and get out of the hole and get out of the second level very quickly whereas estimate he's running you over and he's not easily really gonna get back up to, to quick speed again right he's like a downhill very quick downhill, but at contact, he's not. He's not gonna. He's not gonna accelerate quite as quick. So, I think the combination of use Logan Diggs early, using him in first and ten, second and you know second down, and then using SMA as your relief back, your power back on the third and two, the third and one, getting into the goal line. I think those are the things that you have to see. There needs to be a very nice rhythm or synchronization between SMA and Diggs, and knowing when to utilize both of them in today's game, and then you throw in the aspect. Of passing the ball to them right and you establish this run game you establish this run game you're handing off handing off and then you just leak some of these backs out of the backfield and hit them on some screens i i, I retweeted a video um earlier this week i think it was like four years ago against usc one of one of uh Notre Dame's backs caught a simple screen out of the backfield because usc was low in the box they were trying to create pressure that creates one-on-one matchups on the with linebackers on the outside and that's what these running backs need to take advantage of is getting one-on-one matchups in open space In a multitude of different ways and getting the balls in their hands and i'd love to see that at a two back set i know we talk about two back sets so much right but this is the to me like if you if you want to talk about a game where you have to utilize two back sets the most this is the one because you're going against a high caliber opponent you got to do things out of the ordinary to create extra you know extra first downs extra possessions what have you and if you can flip the ball to your running backs out of the backfield that also creates, you know, better matchups for a guy like Michael Mayer. I don't know the best tight end in the country that allows your kind of speedier guys like Lindsay uh, and Styles and Merriweather to get downfield and take the top off the defense at the same time. So when these running backs are at their best, meaning that they're running the ball and they're a threat also out of the backfield, it just makes this offense so much better. It takes the pressure off everyone else. And that's really when they're going to start rolling.
1: You know, I I think that's a really good point because we we know the strength of this team is running the football. We know the strength of this team is the offensive line. We're talking offense right now. And they need to lean into that, but they also need to be creative with it, right? They need to leak those backs out. Like you said, they need to run counter. They need to show, you know, what they want to do in duo and then go the other way with it. You know, they need to do some different things. They need to break tendency. They need to, you know, that's what I need to see from the game plan from Tommy Reese. And I think You can lean into what you're really good at and still be good at it, but by doing something a little bit different, something that an average USC defense maybe or maybe not will be prepared for, right? And you need to take advantage of that because of the offense that you're facing and their propensity to score a ton of points. And they can score it in bunches. You can hold them down in the first half, and this game will not be over, right? Because they can score in bunches and they can come back. They're one of the best teams at coming back from a deficit. So you have to be creative. You have to possess the ball to a degree. Now, if they're giving you something, you take it, even if it means a two-minute drive or a three-minute drive as opposed to an eight-minute drive, you take it, right? If they're right. If they're loading the box, you've got one-on-one on the outside against Brayden Lindsay, you take that shot. You take that opportunity. But you need to do it within the, the scale of your offense, and I think that's one of the most important things that this team needs to do And I'm not saying that they need to be a completely different offense than what we've seen in the first 11 games. They just need to keep evolving, and they need to keep getting better, and they need to keep doing the things that they're asked to be doing. I think Tommy Reese has has gotten himself into a nice flow and a nice rhythm when it comes to game planning and calling a game and all of those different things. Obviously, the guys need to execute. They need to take the mentality that they had last week against Boston College, the mentality that they had at home against Clemson, And that needs to get on a plane, and it needs to travel to California. And I think if they can can travel their attitude and their fight and their aggressive personality and all of the things that they have become in the first 11 games, they're going to be okay offensively in this game. But they need to execute the game plan. The game plan needs to be well thought out. And again, this defense isn't amazing. Right? they're giving up over 400 yards of offense, <laughs> and, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit more as we talk about USC. But they're giving up a ton of yards. They're, there's plays to be made against this defense. They just need to be creative in the way that they do it. So, speaking of creativity, Drew Pine. Drew Pine is what eight and one as a starter. Does that say yeah? Eight and one is eight starter? and one it catches I mean, a lot of
2: flack. I take an eight and one starter. I don't know about you, Vince.
1: I I would take an eight and one starter at that one (laughs) is perplexing since it was against Stanford, but some of the eight have been really, really good. And uh, that's the hard part about drew pine. Right. And going into, going into this game, what we need to see from drew pine, he can't have the game that he had against Clemson. He can't throw for 85 yards and expect to beat this team. I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think right. So they're, they're going to have to do some things with Drew Pine. They're going to get him going. But he doesn't have to be Drake May. He doesn't have to be Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have to be playing outside his body, right? He just needs to be himself. He needs to be Drew Pine. He needs to throw for 185, 200 yards, right? He needs, yeah, I like uh, the 200 number. Yeah, I do too. I, I really do. I like that 200 number as well. It'd be, it'd be great if he was about 60% completion percentage. I'd be okay with that. But, you know, last week, 13 for 25, 156 yards and a touchdown, 52% completion. You know, his day was average, but he didn't have to be more than average because of they ran for over 280 yards, right? right? So that was enough in that game. What do you think is going to be enough for USC?
2: So you talked a lot about a uh, really good things there. And I think, Tommy, the, the reason why and the, we saw the dominance and success against Clemson is Tommy re switched up looks and went against tendencies. And that's exactly what you were talking about and things that need to carry over uh, in into this USC game. And so how do you do that? And getting into, you know, different showing one thing that you've been showing and, you know, teams have been preparing for on film and just adding a small wrinkle to kind of switch things up and just get, you know, get the eyes and get the things thinking, moving just a little bit differently. Uh, But in terms of Drew Pine, I really like that one. 175, I think, is the most realistic number. Uh, But if he can get over 200 and the ground game can get over 200, I think it's going to be a very, very tough day. For USC because I, I don't think they're going to be able to handle Notre Dame's physical dominance on the offensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to handle Notre Dame's physicality when it comes to their running backs. Um, but Drew Pine, he needs to get moving. Right? We don't need to. I, I don't want to see any any balls getting batted down today. There's there's no more time for that for Drew Pine. He's got to get the ball out. I, there's, there needs to be zero deflected balls today because those are wasted plays. Right? Those are just easy the defense didn't even have to do anything but stick their arm un, up and deflect the ball. So. I think you need to get, you know, Drew Pine rolling on the edge it, to his right side. I think he's a very good quarterback when he's rolling out and throwing on the move. And it suits his game because you can get into a lot of play actions, kind of RPO looks, and you can roll out and you can flip the ball into the flat to Lorenzo Styles. You can flip the ball into the flat to Michael Mayer running, you know, long drag routes across the field or, or comebacks down the sideline, whatever it might be. Drew Pine's passing game is immensely helps when he rolls out and especially to his right side, it gets defenders out of his face. He can see the, you know, see down the field, I think a little bit better. So for me, I want to see drew pine over 175, and I want to see him kind of moving his feet and rolling out out of the pocket in terms of the passing game.
1: I like that. And I think that that puts him in his comfort zone. I think there is still some truth to the fact that he needs to get comfortable in order to be comfortable for the entire game. I think there is some truth to that, which, which is fantastic. I think finally Tommy Reese understands Drew Pine, and I think there's there's some synchronicity there between the two of them, and I think we're going to see that, you know, later on tonight. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. Obviously, not a ton of possessions for the defense in this game. They they did a really really good job. Let's see, BC had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They had eleven possessions, twelve possessions if you count the last one. Uh, of the game, one they had five. No, I'm sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six times where they turned the ball over. Three interceptions, two fumbles, once on downs. Then they punted another three times, four times, and then end of the half, the other two. So obviously, no points there. Notre Dame did a, a great job. They had three three and outs. They had, I mean, it, it, it was just a game where the do, the defense pretty much dominated but there wasn't a lot of opportunity for, you know, major tackle numbers. Uh, You had JD Bertrand. He had five Jalen Snead in kind of a complimentary role also had five tackles and then Jack Kaiser right behind them with four. So your thoughts on the defense, maybe from a linebackers perspective, since that's what you were, your thoughts on them and then what they're going to need to do today as well.
2: Yeah. So in a game like Boston college, uh, when you when you're getting off the field quickly and, and the other team's offense isn't doing much and there's a lot of incomplete passes, obviously your linebackers are gonna have, you know, like you said, that the tackle numbers aren't gonna really be there. And as a defensive coordinator, that's kind of what you want, right? Like you don't want if if your team is getting off the field, that means you're shutting them out, you're not letting them move the ball, there's incomplete passes or short runs, whatever it might be. But I think today, as, as a linebacker standpoint, is gonna be more about playing in space, helping out your secondary, dropping into the what, what are called like the 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 hook zone or the middle of the field hole, you know, getting in the hole, getting into, getting to, into the flats on the sidelines quickly. And most importantly, you know, linebackers, I'll tell you, and it's kind of what I struggled with the most, but it's the most important is you got to, you got to diagnose run pass quickly. And so say, say you're in like a two by two set, meaning you got two wide receivers to each side, right? I'm sure we'll see a lot of that. Probably a lot of three by one. Oh yeah. Your first job as a linebacker, when you see pass, is you got to fly out immediately and get hands on that wide receiver. Get, you know, get disruption. It, it, it's getting these wide receivers off their routes. You just jam them. But that gives your secondary a half a second to a second to, you know, recover. And obviously it knocks these wide receivers off of their route. So these linebackers have to be able to play in space. They got to be able to disrupt throwing lanes. And get hands on these wide receivers because it's only going to help out their secondary. And we all know that USC wants to run the ball. It's a Lincoln Riley offense. It's Caleb Williams. You know, Caleb Williams puts has gotten numbers right now as a quarterback. He's he's a front runner for the Heisman. So anything that these linebackers can do to disrupt the pass game is what is their most important task today. And obviously, you know, you got to be able to shut down the run. The, the, the times that they are going to want to run the ball, that's you know, that's a given. That's that's a linebacker's everyday duty, is shutting down the run. But the hard stuff is playing in space getting hands on these wide receivers and disrupting them.
1: Completely agree with that. And I am ecstatic that J.D. Bertrand is going to be in this game because I feel like USC is going to throw a lot of eye candy at this Notre Dame defense. He's the most disciplined linebacker of the group. That is accurate. And, you know, a Jack Kaiser. And, yes, these guys are not the most athletic guys, and everybody wants to see the youth movement. And the fact that Jalen Snead tied for the team lead in tackles last week Gets everybody all excited and gives you the goosebumps. <laughs> and Prince Collie is a. This dude is and- this is
2: USC. Mm-hmm. This is not right. Boston College. You know, there's a lot of different. Re- the scheme and complexity goes up times a hundred. Like this, yes. <laughs> it goes from a very poor Boston College offense to one of the best offenses in the country. So Collie and Sneed aren't ready for these kind of situations, and Bertrand is. He's the experienced vet. He knows how to line up. He knows how to study the film, and that's a big thing as a linebacker. You study film all week. The, the, the linebacker is the field general, right? He 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 sees yeah. things. You get into – you you notice tendencies when offenses get into certain formations and sets, okay, alert, 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 like this play is going – there's a high chance that this play is going to happen. You know based on formation, based on alignment, like a, line, a running back could line up an extra yard out wide, right? Or the wide receiver could be on the inside of the hash or the outside of the hash. These are things that linebackers look at in their film study and, and just give them that extra advantage, and I know that's what J.D. Bertrand has been doing all week.
1: Absolutely correct. And so what he lacks in athletic ability he makes up for in what he brings to the table from a preparation standpoint, from an intelligence standpoint, and from an experience standpoint. I know there's going to be a lot of people that probably don't agree with you and I on that one, but that is (laughs) when you go into a rivalry game like this with so much on the line, you go in with the guys that you trust. And I'm not saying that they don't trust Jalen Snead and Prince Collie and some of those younger guys. It's just different, man. Like this, you have to ride with the guys that got you there. And there will be a time for those guys in the future. And there's also going to be a time for those guys in this game. There's going to be opportunities for those guys. There's going to be spots for those guys to come in and be successful. But it's not in the role that people want them to be in already, I would say. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys. And a lot is going to hinge on this linebacking core. There's no doubt about that.
2: I think an important aspect of what you were talking about is defenses are designed, Vince, to, to funnel the play and, and everyone to be in, in complete synchronization. So if one guy is off, that's a complete that, that can cause a bust in a play and a play can yeah. go for 70 yards instead of being an incompletion. And so when you have guys like Collie and Sneed who have all this athletic ability, sure. But if they get out of their spot and one play. That's, that's, that's USC's offense. They'll rip you for a 60 yard pass play if your guy's out of spot on just one play. So just knowing and be lining up in the right spot, being in the right spot is half the battle. And and as much as you want to see these guys out there, because they do make better plays in space and they have more athleticism and so on and so forth. You just can't, you can't compromise the rest of your team and the entire defense by potentially having a guy out of, you know, out of alignment or or a half a yard behind, or, you know, not dropping into a zone uh, quite, quite as quickly.
1: Nope, completely agree with you. And you mentioned that, you know, getting hands on these receivers and and disrupting them and all that helps the secondary. Let's talk about the secondary a little bit. Obviously, we're all hoping that Brandon Joseph is healthy and and is a go for today. I haven't heard otherwise. It sounds like he is a go, but we will know soon enough. But then let's talk about the true freshman. All right. (laughs) Benjamin Morrison picks up three interceptions last week. He is one shy of the national lead. He is the leader for true freshmen. There is a there, believe it or not, there is a true freshman at uh, Utah state. uh, Ike Larson, who has four, believe it or not, but Benjamin Morrison passed him up (laughs) last week. So he's got five and the national leaders are all at six. And I believe there are three of them with, uh, with six. So, big time opportunity for Benjamin Morrison obviously this week they're gonna pick on him he's the true freshman doesn't matter what he's done up to this point if you're a true freshman you're gonna get picked on by an offensive coordinator that's going to happen so look for the ball to come his way so he's got a chance to tie or take a lead on the national leaders talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from him in pass coverage but also in his tackling which I think is a Big plus going into this game.
2: Yeah, so the, the number one thing I noticed about ben Benjamin Morrison, and it, it 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 sticks out the most, is just his overall composure. You wouldn't know by looking at him that he's a freshman. He looks like a guy who's been doing this for years and years. And I, I said, I think I said it, sorry, earlier this week, is it, it would be one thing if this was like a, a, a junior or like a red shirt, you know, sorry, a, a fifth year senior along those lines to be putting up these stats. But this is a true freshman just going out there and handling business and playing like a seasoned veteran. That is the most impressive part to Benjamin Morrison's game to me. He takes on the challenge of guys throwing at him. He, he wants guys to throw at him, and he wants to be that playmaker. He wants to be the guy that's going to take over the game. And having that kind of gumption and courage as a freshman, having no fear, is just a great thing to see, Vince. And I know as a coach, that is something that you would look for in a lot of your players. It's just the confidence to be out there. Right. Like it, it it's one thing for the coaches to trust you and put you out there, but you got to have trust in yourself and, and know that you're going to be able to make a play. And that's all that Benjamin Morrison has done. And he's done it in the most important games, right? Like the first, first half of the season, fine. He's getting his feet wet. He's playing well. He's, he's doing a lot of good things, but when it's mattered most here on the back end, that's when we're seeing him make the most important plays. And that's what you need out of your big time playmakers, big time playmakers, Make big time plays in big time situations, and that's all that Benjamin Morrison does. And you talked about, you know, coverage is one thing, but you got to be a complete cornerback. And Clemson wanted to try him with the screens on the perimeter and the quick passes, and he shut that that, that down too. He makes he's a very excellent tackler in open space, and, and for his frame and size, it's even more impressive because he's undersized, right? Like cornerbacks are small guys; their main responsibility is coverage. They don't want to stick their nose in, into the tackling or the run game or you know coming downhill. But he also takes on that advantage, and you wouldn't know. That that he is a cornerback because he tackles like a safety, he tackles like a linebacker and he shuts it all down. He's a complete cornerback. He's gonna be a great cornerback in the NFL someday. And he's already shown that he can shut you down in both dimensions of the game. And that's a, that's that along with his his uh his courage and gumption and, and trust in himself is the but you know that that's what makes him the complete deal. Is he's yeah. out there every week showing that he can shut you down in the pass, he can shut you down in the run, and he believes in himself all while doing it.
1: Well, and it, it just has a very similar feeling to two years ago when we're talking about Michael Mayer and what he was doing as a true freshman. And you're sitting back and you're thinking to yourself, thank God we're forced to have him for another two years because, you know, he could go make plays right now. I mean, granted, college is a different level than the NFL. Don't get me wrong. But thank God he's going to be around for another two years because he's only going to get better. His demeanor is one of a kid who's only going to get better. He's got the attitude for it. He's a humble kid from what, it, at least on the field, he's a humble kid, you know, handing the football back to the referee. He's a kid we can all get behind and get excited about. And he's just a different kind of shutdown corner than Notre Dame has had in a really long time. You know, you can talk about, you know, Julian Love and what he was able to do. He's having a great career in the NFL right now, but he was better in line, in zone, right, than, than Benjamin Morrison. Benjamin Morrison will line up, one yard away from you and just beat the crap out of you stay (laughs) in your back hip if you're trying to run a go route on you and then not only pick it off but he'll tackle you if you get the ball like he he's he's the complete guy he's the complete shutdown corner you've got morrison island over there things are going very well on that side my worry going into this game is according to marcus freeman cam hart is questionable coming into this game And there's a lot of people out there, and myself included, Cam Hart has not lived up to the opportunity that I thought that he had coming into this season. I thought he was going to be the shutdown corner for Notre Dame. But there's also a reason the teams keep going after Ben Morrison, because Cam Hart is doing a pretty dang good job on the other side. And he has also shown a propensity to tackle in space and do a really good job. What if he's not a go-today, which is a possibility. He's questionable, according to Coach Freeman. If he's not able to go – where do the irish turn at that corner position
2: you know that's a that's a very good question And i think what's benefited notre dame throughout the kind of back half of this season is we've seen a lot of different secondary pieces be rotated in in and out with different kind of nagging injuries between brandon joseph uh and, and i think some other guys and i'm not i'm not super keen or, or knowledgeable of you know notre dame's cornerback depth chart to be honest with you but I do know that they rotate a lot of guys in whether they're in nickel and dime. And so there's a lot of guys who have a lot of experience. And so it it makes it easier for, and Marcus Freeman will tell you that too. It's the next man up, right? These guys, we're all, we're at a level here where it's next man up and the next guy's got to be ready. And that's how they've been practicing all week. So, do you want your best player out there? Sure, but I also think that Notre Dame has, you know, a very deep secondary. I think that they've gone through some adversity in the secondary this year, where other guys have been getting snaps, and they have a very good rotation. And so, is it is it ideal to have Cam Hart out there? Sure, but I don't think that they'll be at too much of a deficit, you know, without him. I think that they have very good secondary pieces regardless. And listen, if you want to, if you want to pick on a back, you know, a, a backup corner potentially. Then you know, have be it. But if you want to also go at Benjamin Morris, be my guest. I think no matter what, I I think the secondary is up for the challenge today, right? Like that's what the coaches have to had to propose all week, and that's what they did against Clemson. Are you guys up for the challenge? And the and the the secondary has to be up for the challenge the most this week. They. That's who Marcus Freeman challenged the most against Clemson. And he's going to challenge them the most against USC, you know, based off of this, this high powered offense that Caleb Williams is going to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And this secondary just has to do enough to slow him down and maybe get a turnover or two.
1: I completely agree. I'm very, I'm very interested to see the route that Notre Dame takes. If in fact, Cam Hart is out because you've got options, right? You've got Tariq Bracey, who has primarily been in the slot. Big fan of Tariq Bracey too he can also play outside, and he has done so far this year. You've got Clarence Lewis, who can play inside or outside. And then, of course, you've got Jaden Mickey, the other true freshman who had an amazing spring, and then Benjamin Morris came in and said, not so fast, my friend. And But, but Jaden Mickey has had a lot of ups and downs this year. A lot of ups, a couple of downs. How does he respond? He's going to be an option there as well. If you move Tariq out, to you know, be the outside corner. Then do you bring in Jaden Mickey to be your nickel, right? Because I think nickel is going to be their primary package against this yeah, offense. Yeah, bread Maybe and butter.
2: Game. You got to have an extra DB yep. on the field.
1: So you're going to see, in my opinion, I think you're going to see a bit of a three-way rotation between Clarence Lewis, Tariq Bracy, and uh, Jaden Mickey, and what that rotation, which is what looks we've like seen all year, you know. right? Like those yes, are absolutely. That's,
2: that's why this is a, a good. Not a, okay. It's never good when a player's hurt. But when you have guys who've been rotating and you have a solid right. rotation,
1: this you're built for situations like this. Correct, correct, absolutely. And there and a position that was a giant question mark going into the season. I think we can all say going into Week Twelve has been one of the strengths of this team, the corners yes. slash defensive backs. And so they're gonna have to lean on that, no doubt, against this offense. Speaking of this offense, Jesse Stiers, let's talk about USC specifically. Okay you know who are these trojans right it's lincoln riley's first season as the head coach uh, out at southern cal coming in from oklahoma and i don't know if you remember all the the clandestine plane ride in the middle of the night uh from oklahoma to usc it was very very <laughs> weird and I, yeah and then I he
2: had know. that like awkward uh introduction press conference it, yeah. it looked like it, it was very like it, it looked it looked kind of like a not usc right like you would expect yeah. more it kind of looked like a hodgepodge yeah it was just weird it was like lincoln riley's all of a sudden flying in the night on this jet and then he <laughs> shows up and they're doing this conference and then all of a sudden you got all these guys transferring in with him and well that's a completely different story
1: well you're not wrong though and uh you know he went the you know we'll get into how they put the team together but You know, this is the third all-time meeting by first-time head coaches uh, for both teams, which I think is very interesting. Uh, Obviously, USC is 10-1 and at this point with a one-point road loss to Utah. They've already booked their spot in the Pac-12 championship game. So this is a big opportunity for Notre Dame. They have a chance to play and or defeat three teams that are in the conference championship next weekend. So, That's something to play for if you're Notre Dame for sure. The rivalry with Notre Dame dates back to 1926 and has been played every year except three years during World War II and then, of course, the 2020 pandemic when everybody was conference only. They have a combined 24 national championships, 14 Heisman trophies, as well as a combined 184 All-Americans and the 89 College Football Hall of Famers. And, of course, the jeweled shillelagh, is on the line for the winter. I saw some pictures on social media that it was boarding the plane with the Irish, so they're taking it out to Southern Cal and hopefully putting it in a seatbelt on the way back later on tonight. But this is a team that is really, really good, and, and Lincoln Riley took advantage of the fact that the new college football, and he got, I think, 30 or so transfers into USC – And most of those 30 transfers are the guys that are contributing to this team. (laughs) And mostly on offense, if we're being honest. And so in a normal situation, Lincoln Riley is looking at a two to three year, at least, rebuild from the bottom up, having to get on the recruiting trail and doing all of those things. But instead, he went out and got some reinforcements. And these reinforcements have been pretty stinking good. For this team, they're like I said, they're 11 and one. They control their own destiny to the college football playoff. If you listen to any of the games yesterday and they would preview this game, it's all about USC, USC, USC. Notre Dame doesn't have a prayer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and it's all because of this offense, Jess. I mean, they're led by, as you had mentioned previous, a Heisman hopeful. Caleb Williams came in from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. I think he was probably in the baggage uh claim uh, off that plane <laughs> in the middle of the night but uh he's 250 for 385 he's got just shy of 3,500 yards 33 touchdowns three interceptions 65 percent completion percentage he's averaging 316 yards a game the biggest question going into this game jess is can caleb williams be stopped or can you even contain what he is about to do tonight at 7:30 in the Coliseum?
2: Yeah, I mean Notre Dame has shown that they have a track record of shutting down or containing some very good passing offenses. I know Ohio State was game one, but look at what Ohio State has done: game two, game three, game four, game five, game six, game seven, game eight. They're one of the best passing offenses in the country. Uh, Drake May. Very similar numbers to Caleb Williams, like almost identical. I was looking at them last night, actually, like they are scary identical. What did Notre Dame do to Drake May? They contained him, right? And so there's things that you can do to limit a quarterback just completely taking over a game. We know just like North Carolina, USC is going to move the ball. They're going to complete passes. They're going to get first downs. They're going to score some points. You just can't let it turn into a track meet. And so what does that mean? You have to slow Caleb Williams down with pressure you have to be able to disguise coverages on the back end you need to be able to show him one thing and get into another you know trick his eyes make him have to think a little bit you can't just make it cookie cutter for him you can't let him just drop back and say oh this is exactly what the pre-snap was let me just you know get to my first and second read let it rip and we're going to continue to move the ball so i need to get creative with their stunts whether that's bringing four, maybe even five, even six at times. I like when they bring, you know, the corner blitzes off the edge with Tariq Bracey. I think you have to utilize that in this game. But most importantly, like I said, the secondary has to do things to shut down the pass game and give him different looks, disguises, right? Maybe you show one thing pre-snap, you jump into another thing once you snap the ball. Maybe one side of the field you're playing man, maybe the other side of the field you're playing a zone concept. Maybe you, you do a little Viking What I know as Viking coverage, where you drop your defensive ends into the flats and you blitz your linebackers off the edge, just simple things like that, right? If you're going to bring four, find ways to bring four in a different way. If you're going to bring five, find ways to stunt and get to the quarterback. And again, the number one thing for me is you got to be able to create an interception. I think if they can create two interceptions, oh my gosh, I'll be the happiest guy in the world, but I'll settle for one. None, I won't be a happy camper. This secondary has proven that they can take the ball away in the back half of the season. It's something they struggle with in the first half of the season, but they need to create a turnover today. I don't care how you do it. You need to take the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands somehow.
1: I could not agree more. And everybody in the chat, everybody that's going to be watching the watch show with us today, myself included, I have to remind myself of this, right? Caleb Williams is going to make some plays where you're just like, dang. Like this is a that. ten and
2: one team, a Heisman really, quarterback. This is yeah. a team that could get into the playoffs here potentially. Yes. This is a very big game for USC. This is a very good team. Like they're gonna make good plays. People yes. have to be able yes. to accept those things.
1: And 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 on the flip side, Notre Dame has to be able to respond to that. They, yes. You know, Caleb Williams is gonna make some sort of a jaw dropping play, whether it's picking up a third and long scrambling out and just throwing a rifle to a wide open guy or a tightrope on the side. Something's going to happen where you're just like, you have got to be kidding me. Right. They have to be able to respond in a positive manner. Absolutely. That's what
2: Marcus Freeman talks about with the mental toughness. And that's what separates has to separate Notre Dame in this game. Is they have to be mentally tough to yes. bounce back? It's it's you wipe the you know you wipe your slate clean. You take a punch, but you throw a punch back. That's right. got to be Notre Dame's motto today. They can't lay on the canvas when they get punched. They have to stand up and maybe take another punch. You know, take another punch, but they got to be able to throw punches back at some point as well.
1: Well, and and I think a lot of that goes to and we're going to get into the USC defense here in a second. But not only does the defense have to wipe the slate clean, but it look USC is going to score points, right? They're they're going to score. I mean, if they goose egg USC, you might as well just throw Notre Dame into the playoff. Okay. We're streaking at that point, Vince. Yeah. There's a goose egg by USC. (laughs) You
2: and I will hold hands. Oh God. And run down campus together.
1: (laughs) That would be something else. uh, You might want to stay inside (laughs) for that, but uh, no, things are going to happen that are not pro Notre Dame, whether it's the refs, whether it's the USC offense, whatever, to me, the, one of the biggest signs in this game is can the Notre Dame offense respond? Right? Can they can they match a score with a score? Right? That's gonna yes. be huge in this game because, like I said, USC <sighs> is going to score. That's okay? a Vince, you
2: bring up a very good point there, and it's not something that I've thought about, but it, it's a huge aspect of this game. You can't let USC compile scores. You gotta right. be able to if they score you don't okay respond with a field goal respond with a touchdown absolutely. whatever it might be but you can't let usc rip off 14 21 points in a row that you're going to find yourself in a very big hole and this Notre yeah. Dame offense isn't that's not their specialty they're not no. built oh it's around a big comeback they're they're built around getting ahead controlling the tempo of the game yep. and keeping it a relatively close game
1: absolutely they're not built to be a comeback team if they're down 14 or 21 it's game over and i yeah I hate to say that about Notre Dame, but that's how I feel. And, and that would be great if they prove me wrong. But being down that much, I just don't see this offense being built to come back from that. So you you have to match your scores. You have to match them with something. You have to stay within a possession, maybe two, in order to keep this game a viable win for Notre Dame. That That's the bottom line. So still talking about this USC offense, Jess. I They're averaging, believe it or not, over 180 yards on the ground, which... Is that worry you at all about this team? No. Okay, why not?
2: (sighs) Their run game reminds me a lot of the Big 12, right? It's – Sure. USC, you got to have some sort of run game, right? You can't sit back and and throw it 60 times a game. You have to be able to establish and pick up the rhythm of, you know, running the ball. But USC, like when Lincoln Riley played in in the Big 12 – you're not going against good defenses. And I'm sorry to say, but Notre Dame is a top 25 defense in the country. And I don't think USC has sniffed anyone close to a a complete defense like that. And so I I don't think they're going to sure. They're probably going to run between, you know, I I think goal would keep them under hundred yards uh, ultimately. Right. And so I think that's a very accomplishable stat for this Notre Dame defense. I think they've gone against better running attacks uh, and, and been able to kind of you know handle their own slash kind of get exploited a little bit but we know USC's not that's not their main goal their main goal is to pass the ball so I'm not worried about the run game I think I'm more worried about what Caleb Williams can do with his feet if, if the pocket breaks down you gotta have like similar to Drake May similar to CJ Stroud we saw a lot of times against CJ Stroud where they had things covered and the defensive line just couldn't get CJ Stroud down and so not allowing Caleb Williams to scramble and complete. That's the the run game I'm more worried about is Caleb Williams extending the play with his legs uh, and that kind of situation. So I think that is as a defense, what I would be more concerned about. But like I said, I I can't, I I wish I would have saved this tweet because I I, I like a lot of tweets and I always wish like, Oh, I'm going to use that on the show. But you know, these, I think you could make the claim that USC's average opponent defensive rank is like, is somewhere in like the 60s or 70s. They don't go against good defenses. The Pac-12 doesn't have, you know, great defense. And I think Notre Dame's physicality on the defensive line, Uh, they're, you know, the inside tackles that they have, the outside rush with Foskey, this is the best defensive line that they're going to face. And I don't Absolutely. think they're going to want to get into running the ball. They're going to want to stick to passing the ball. So in a roundabout answer, I am not worried <laughs> about the run game.
1: No, that's great. And I think one of the keys for this Notre Dame defense is you have to make USC one dimensional, right? And even though that one dimension that you want to make them is the passing game and that's what they do best. You want to make them one dimensional because it's a lot easier to defend a one dimensional offense than it is, you know, somebody that can run the ball and pass the ball at will.
2: Right. Look at, look at North Carolina State mm-hmm. and North Carolina last night. North Carolina State would line three different defensive linemen up and drop eight into coverage. And you can do that when you take away the run game. And obviously with a pass game like that, dropping eight is going to be so beneficial. You're just clogging up so many lanes. So if you can get into second and 10, third and 10, don't be surprised if Notre Dame is dropping, you know, seven, potentially eight guys yeah. into coverage. And that happens, like you said, with being one dimensional. But if yeah you want to shut down usc and make them one-dimensional and even if that one dimension is pass, you gotta you're setting yourself up for a better play on the back end because you can drop more guys into
1: coverage 100 agree with that 100 percent agree with that make i mean i hate to say make caleb williams beat you because he has every ability to do that right but it is it is paramount for notre dame to force usc to do certain things right You you can't just, as a defense, you can't just go in and play off of what USC is doing. You do have to dictate to the best of your ability. You have to dictate some things to USC. You've got to show them some different looks. You've got to show them some different fronts. You've got to bring pressure from areas where you haven't brought pressure before. You've got to do some things to make Caleb Williams think twice about where he's going with the football and what he's going to do pre snap as well as post snap. And you hit the nail on the head for me. I'm not worried about their traditional run game, I'm worried about Caleb Williams' feet because when he gets outside the pocket, he makes plays, whether it's with his with his he's always looking downfield when he's outside the pocket and behind the line of scrimmage and he can throw, he's one of the best throwers off platform that I've seen in college football this year. And if we're just going off of a talent standpoint and what you're able to do, what you what God gave you on attached to your right shoulder, right? Caleb Williams is one of the best in the country and that's why he's a Heisman candidate, but he doesn't have that Heisman moment yet. Hopefully he doesn't get it tonight. That's the goal. (laughs) Like if, if I'm Notre Dame, it's like, okay, Caleb Williams cannot have his Heisman moment tonight. That cannot happen. Right. He was on the verge of having a Heisman moment last week against UCLA, but it's UCLA. Nobody outside of California really cared about that game. People care about this game. Yeah, a lot of eyes are going to be on this game. It's at night. It's one of the only games that really matter at night. This is going to be one of the best games in college football. Everybody's eyes are going to be on it. This is his opportunity to make his case for being the Heisman Trophy winner. And this is also Notre Dame's opportunity to make their case that he's not. He's going to win or lose the Heisman Trophy tonight. That I, I think that's accurate.
2: Yeah, so you, you're saying a, a solid performance seals that ticket. It, it, it's it, to this is a very important weekend for a lot of quarterbacks cj Stroud yeah. um caleb williams Drake may yeah and i agree with you you can't this is the signature win that usc needs to put on their you know on their season the exclamation point and you know knock on some wood here it's been five years for usc that's not a good a good feeling and a good taste i'm sure out there in Southern California for the lifelong, you know, USC fans. This is a rivalry that means a lot to a lot of people. USC travels well to Notre Dame when they come out. Like, this is a very important game. And I know USC and that administration football program is not proud of the fact that they have not beat, you know, Notre Dame in five years now. And this is on their home turf. This is for a potential, you know, college football playoff spot. This is a resume booster. It's that 12th data point on the season. This game means a lot. They know all that. Caleb Williams knows all that. He knows that if he wants, you know, most importantly, his team to have a good shot that he needs to perform well. And then on a personal level for his Heisman, you know, hopefuls, he needs to play well as two. So it it is going to be a shootout, Vince. And I I think this is what is exciting. This this game hasn't meant much in in the last, you know, means much. But in terms of national relevance, this game hasn't been on the stage as what it used to be. You know, this game used to like Michigan and Ohio State this game has in the past has meant a lot, right? Like this, there's a lot riding on this game. And so I, I think that this is definitely, this could be his his biggest game of his career. It, yeah. it, you could say that. And I think I can say that with confidence is it is his biggest game of, the, of his career. Um, and he needs, to, he needs to show that in, in the prime time, he can deliver for his team.
1: Absolutely correct. And like I said, this is either going to make or break his Heisman candidacy. I think he'll go to New York regardless. Um, but I think this will make or break whether he wins or not, because this is going to be an opportunity for a lot of fans, or not a fan, a lot of voters, to see him for the first time, right? Or at least from a start to finish first time. I mean, USC has played a lot of games. A lot of them have been late at night. A lot of them have not been marquee games, right? This is a marquee game. This is when the Heisman candidates are supposed to shine. So you're going to have C.J. Stroud going up against Michigan, He'll have his opportunity in about uh, 63 minutes to make his case. <laughs> and then later on tonight, you're going to have your opportunity to make uh, your case if you're Caleb Williams. So it's going to be very interesting. The defense has a tall task in front of them, but it should be a lot of fun to watch. I think I think Notre Dame can step up to the plate, but we shall see. Yeah, I-, I saw the nice, sorry,
2: before we, before we jump right in, I know I'm always.
1: No, 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 you're beautiful. Go.
2: I like the comment by Doug Hampton in the chat this matchup is going to be very similar to North Carolina I think that is completely true I just think that I I don't know I I don't know if I can say that USC's offense is even a little bit better because May and Caleb Williams have like identical stats and and I'm like I'm not kidding you passing yards touchdowns interceptions QBR they're like very 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 similar like one percent off maybe I, I just think at this point in the season, USC is offense is obviously a little bit further along, maybe a little bit developed. Notre Dame was fortunate enough to get USC kind of, or sorry, North Carolina earlier in the season, but this is again, this is a very comparable matchup because of who Caleb Williams is and his yeah. ability to move like Drake May could, and Notre, that's why Notre Dame won that game because they shut down Drake May and they shut down Drake May's legs, and they need to do the exact same things today. So I, I would find, you know, I, I would go back to that game plan, combine it, you know, with. With maybe the Clemson game plan and come up with a hybrid game plan of what what it's going to take to shut down this USC offense. I, okay, not shut down, but right. slow them up enough to win.
1: Right. I don't think because you look, we're realistic. You're not going to be able to shut down this offense, right? You're <laughs> just, you, it's not going to happen. But you can slow them down. You you can potentially keep them in the low 30s to high 20s. That that is reasonable. That's absolutely reasonable. So it, it, it's, but that's what this thing is going to hinge on. The other thing it's going to hinge on is whether Notre Dame can score points against this defense. And so let's quickly talk about this USC defense. They are giving up over 400 yards per game when you combine passing and rushing. 257 yards passing, 147 yards rushing. So just over 400 yards per game. So, Jess, I'm giving you Tommy Reese's job, which maybe people in the chat would actually prefer. But I'm giving it to you for the next few minutes. If you were the OC at Notre Dame, how do you attack this defense?
2: Run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball somewhere. <laughs> you know, USC is, is is the 58th run defense in the country right now. They give up 150 yards per game, Vince, and that's against a rushing attack that is nowhere near what Notre Dame can do with their run game, so... Notre Dame has to be able to run the ball similar to what they did against Clemson. And they have to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Meaning if the run game is working and you're getting three or four a pop, keep handing the ball off, you know, like don't <laughs> beat, don't beat yourself. I don't care. Remember against Clemson when they ran the ball 10 times in a row. I don't care if you'd run the ball 10 times right. in a row, if it's working. Make, make USC stop this run game. They are not a good run defense and they played against bad Running attacks, so continue to run the ball down their throat. Continue to use your physicality as an offensive line and dominate. Make them stop your running backs. You have a rotation of running backs that constantly stay fresh. That's a huge advantage when when you're really trying to out physical some teams. You need to run the ball run the ball and run the ball some more. And then when the run game, when you need a quick play or you need, you know, maybe some big yardage, throw in a play action and hit Michael Mayer up the scene, because I guarantee you those USC linebackers and defensive linemen and safeties are going to be cheating the run. And that's all you need is one step. Michael Mayer gets his big body in front of you, runs down the middle of the field, down the seam one-on-one. And again, we're talking about the best tight end in the country. I have all the faith in the world as long as Pine puts it right on his hands.
1: Well, and he doesn't even need to put it on his hands because we know Michael Mayer is going to catch it anyway, either way. (laughs) So no, look, this is a, a, to steal a line from Brian, the stars need to be stars, right? I mean, Michael Mayer needs to have a game and the running backs need to have a game. The offensive line needs to have a game. They need to running the ball is obviously going to be one of the most important parts of this offense. If they can't run the ball, it's game over. I mean, they're, they're, if that's who you are. That is your identity. We are in game 12. Running the football is your identity. Play action is your identity. When they throw, when they drop back to throw the ball, other guys are going to have to step up, whether it's Deion Colsey, whether it's Lorenzo Styles, whether it's Braden Lindsay, whether it's Chris Tyree, whoever the ball is headed to, somebody's going to need to step up. And I don't think Any of us would say any of the wide receivers are stars on this team. So they are supporting cast and the supporting cast. You need a full team effort on the offensive side in order to respond to what USC is going to do offensively and to keep your defense off the field for a little while. The defense can't be on the field the entire game, trying to defend Caleb Williams in this offense. They can't, they're going to need rest. They're going to need time on the bench, right?
2: Control that possession. Absolutely. Get first downs, move the chain.
1: And look, if there's an opportunity and you see it where Braden Lindsay's in zero coverage and he's got an opportunity to have a yes. one play drive for 80 yards, you take it.
2: Take your kill shots
1: calculated. That, that will alone energize the defense, right? Even if they're on the field for two long drives split up by an 80 yard touchdown to Braden Lindsay, that's OK, because they'll <laughs> be energized by the fact that the t- the score is either tied or you're winning. Right. Yeah. Nothing energizes
2: a defense more than knowing that your offense has your back and they're, they're returning the counter punches. It gives your defense life. There's nothing worse than a team scoring. And then your defense, your offense goes out there and, 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 you know, puts up a dud. You just got to have your defenses
3: back. Yep.
1: And there's going to be opportunities against this team. Okay. There's going to be opportunities in the pass game. There's going to be opportunities in the run game. Again, where did you pack your attitude from South Bend to, to California? That, that, to LAX, as they say, <laughs> right? <clears throat> did you pack it? Because if you did, then USC is going to face something that they haven't faced all year. The, they're The toughest defense they've played is Oregon State, okay? <laughs> Notre Dame's defense is better than Oregon State. You know, respect to the Pac-12 people that may be listening, the people out on the West Coast. Notre Dame has a better defense than Oregon State. This is a defense that's going to punch you in the mouth. This is an offense that is going to punch you in the mouth, Right? USC hasn't faced that this year. You can say that Utah is physical, and that's why they lost that game. <laughs> they Utah's still scored as, in the 40s. Utah is not as physical as Notre Dame. They're not. There's no team on the West Coast that is as physical as Notre Dame. So let's see what happens if, if Notre Dame packed their attitude. So
2: I I like what uh, that Stimey said here. You know, the more tight ends that Dallas put on the field, the better their offense performed. I'm just saying he's in reference to the Dallas and Giants game. Um, on Thursday night and that that was true nerd or sorry the, the Dallas in the first half tried to get cutesy with some passes and, and in the second half. They said, all right, we're just going to put our you know, we're going to we have a, one of the best offensive lines in the in, in, in the NFL. Yeah. We're going to load up our big guys and we're going to start running the ball. We're going to make you stop us and I know that Sean Styers does not like the 12, 13, 14 personnel, but in a game like this, it has its benefits. The only thing I'm saying is if you're going to see that I'd like to see a mirror of the two back sets, meaning like a one-to-one ratio. If you run one play 13 set, I I would like to see a 22 set, you know, uh, complementing that. And the reason why I like that is because you can get into a very, you know, physical power run game with your offensive line and tight end, sure. But then you can also do things with your backs and creating, you know, motions and, and getting guys' eyes going in different ways and having two different running backs on the field, I think is very beneficial. So I just, I'm okay with them getting into those big boy personnel sets. I just also need to see some, you know, it be reflected on the two back sets as well, Vince.